This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. We're talking college football with you every single Saturday here on your home for sports here in Chicago. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling. We've got quite the college slate on deck. It is week one, and there is so much to get to because there's stuff happening on the field. There's a whole hell of a lot of stuff happening off the field as well. We're going to dive into all of it. But Shout if you out want to, Pony Express. If you want to join us, 312-332-3776. Have a couple games already in the books with Week 0, as well as some Week 1 action on Thursday and Friday. But boy, is it good to have college football back in our lives and a full slate of games today. I, I need a little more energy from you. A little, it's a more little en- light to start the show. Y- you've got your sunglasses it's on week in one, here. It's damn week it. one. You know, week zero gives you the little appetizer into it. I'm I'm in college football I'm mode already. I'm going through my phone right now, Tyler. I've got 13 plays on the card wow. today. We're going to get we're some a, picks later uh, with Charlie. We're dropping bombs. College mm-hmm. football's back. We've got... The, you look at those the slate today, all right? There, there's... I mean, the game of the weekend... It is kind of weird. The game of the entire weekend is tomorrow. In a, game of the year, maybe. A game that I think could be the national championship, like round one of yeah. the national championship, because I think we may see the exact same matchup later in the year between LSU and Florida State. But this is, we've got week one here, we've got game day, we've got everything happening in the college football world. It's good to have it back. And, I mean, you had some spirited Michigan State texts. And some tweets yesterday that we'll have to read through at some point. I know ten people watched, but <laughs> that first half last night, I wanted, I wanted blood. I wanted people fired. I wanted jobs <laughs> taken away. You from wanted folks. guys with We're their scholarships so reprimanded. I mean, that, but Tyler, do you, did you watch that first half last I night? Watched the, I watched the uh, segments. I think I watched the second quarter. That was all. a crime against the sport. <laughs> what I watched in the first half in East Lansing last night. People need to answer. I wasted a half of my time watching football last night with that garbage. People need to answer for it. 312-332-3776 if you want to join us here. All right, let's get into what the major story is off the field in not just college football, but all of college athletics. And that is the way that realignment has taken place, the disintegration of the Pac-12 And the big news from yesterday is that the ACC is adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU as new members starting in 2024. (laughs) Um, Stanford and Cal, no surprises there. Uh, Unorthodox when you talk about the Atlantic Coast Conference, adding in Stanford and Cal. Pick up a map. But... The the one shocker that kind of came across was SMU is going to be a part of this fold here. But maybe the most intriguing part of this entire deal is the fact that there is going to be no television and media revenue for SMU for the first nine years of their membership. Now, we've talked about SMU on the pod. If you haven't listened, we've been doing preview pods all off season. Check them out. Available on the ESPN Chicago app. We've talked about it, SMU. Being a 
money pit for college football. Like it's just if you've been to the campus, there's mm-hmm. money there. If you know anything about the program, there's money there. The fun fact: every single kid on their football team gets a flat forty thousand dollars salary. Like. there's money in the SMU football program, and then they join the, what are we going to call this now, the PACC, the Pacific Atlantic Coast Conference? The PAC, the Super PAC. That's what this is. They join this conference and decide nine years, no uh, media revenue, basically taking a bribe so that Clemson and Florida State don't leave. It's it's one of the things where I I don't understand, and again, you're right, as someone, I've been to that SMU campus, you walk around, and it is like walking in a a financial minefield. Like you, you feel like you are walking on golden bricks when you are there. Um, the campus just reeks of money and everything. Like financially, they'll be okay, but it's everything else about it. It's just very few other institutions could pull this move. And it, it feels like a move out of desperation for SMU to so badly want affiliation as a part of a major conference that you're willing to sacrifice everything, <laughs> everything financially <laughs> to incredible. go join this ACC. A league which, by the way, I don't think this is the league that I would hitch my wagon to. I, if I'm SMU, I'm trying to get in with the Big Ten or with the SEC, because those are the conferences that have the longevity right now. The ACC, for all we know, may not be around in four or five years. It feels like this is a stabilizing move, though, for the ACC, right? Like, you pick up to Stanford degree, and yeah. Cal. But people, I don't think anything's stable in college athletics right now. Not right now. But, it, like, at least you're not drowning. Like, the Pac-12 was is drowned. They're dead. Mm-hmm. You pick up Stanford and Cal. People thought that they were going to go to the Big Ten and you'd have this Big Ten with a, a Big Ten conference and a Pac-10 conference. If you add Stanford and Cal, they go to the ACC. It feels like you've stabilized the ship a little bit. You've plugged a couple holes. You're not sinking quite as fast anymore. Now you bring in SMU. I, I firmly believe the nine-year agreement to not take any money is 100% so that Florida State and Clemson don't leave. Because those two schools are furious already about the dilution of their media revenue and the revenue sharing in the conference. I'm 100% convinced that SMU is basically taking a bribe to join the ACC for nothing so that Florida State and Clemson don't leave. And, and the, the they, big dude, move. they've got to be getting money under the table. How does this work? How do you agree to not get media revenue for nine years? It's it's unbelievable. Like it's something you you we always talk about the greed of college athletics and the money hungry programs across the nation. SMU, like I don't get this this move for them and, and how you can stomach this because nine years of no media revenue that that's something. So NC State was the the program that flipped. They needed twelve votes. And here's one of the other outrageous things, too. You know who, if I'm Clemson and if I'm Florida State, you know who I am livid at right now? I'm livid at Notre Dame. Because this is the program that refuses to become a full-fledged member of your conference, but kind of tags along for all the others, the basketballs, the baseball, everything else, you decide to hit your wagon to us for for those sports. And they push Stanford and Cal. And you're the ones that... 
pull those two programs into this conference when if you're Clemson and Florida State, you don't want these these teams a part of your conference now. And all of a sudden, um, they're the ones that are the ones that make the flip. And North Carolina was the other uh, program that also voted to not have this become a, a part of – they don't they were against adding uh, um, Stanford and Cal and ultimately SMU too. I mean – what do you think those message boards are like right now for, for North Carolina? That NC State was the one that flipped the tables here. Yeah, that's got to be infuriating. If you're, a North, if you're a Clemson fan, if you're a North Carolina fan, you've got to be livid that NC State did this to you. The other thing, too, is like I'm at a point with the college realignment, and I've talked about this before, but enough. Like, you know where I stand with this. Mm-hmm. Put, put a stop to it somehow. You have to figure out a way. Where we can just, we'll figure this out in an off season. A week before the season starts, we're realigning coasts for next year. It's like, put a stop to it. Or just do go all in and decide, we're doing the Big Ten and the SEC. Those are going to be the mega two. We'll figure out who's not included. We're going to bring in 48-some teams, and we'll figure it out from there. This halfway thing... We're just so beyond what college football has ever been. Like, I think the big message for if you're tuning in today, cherish this college football season. Especially if you're a Pac-12 fan, because what a way it's going to be to go out for the Pac-12 this year. Best quarterbacks in the country. You've got a team in USC that I think could win a national championship. Reigning Heisman. It's going to be offensive light shows every week when you turn on Pac-12 football. But... Even college football as a whole, it will never look this way again. This is the most normal college football is going to look for the rest of our lives. It's going to be like starting next year, you've got the NFL on Saturdays. So cherish, if you're into the tradition and the pageantry and old school college football, cherish what's happening today and for the rest of this season because it's the last time it's going to be normal. Divisions are going by the wayside in a lot of conferences and and realignment's a a big part of why that is happening and not just the realignment that we're seeing now but the realignment that we've seen for the last decade or so too um with all these different conferences adding all these different teams it's gotten to a point where you can't play in divisions anymore because you're isolating too many teams within your own conference you're going to eventually start to see even less and less non-conference games i'd imagine because of the fact that if you're a school what what's the point of, of paying a team to come in there you'd rather play the teams within your conference to try to bolster your resume because you're going to need to bolster your resume now. Well, if you're the Big Ten, you've been playing these Big Ten, Pac-12, basically challenge games. You know, Michigan State will play Washington. Mm -hmm. They've gone to Arizona State. We've seen it with other schools. You've been playing these types of games for years. Now you bring in USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, and you just kind of, our non-conference games are going to happen in September when we travel west or when the west travels east. Like, the It'll happen in the conference now. You might as well bump it to 11 conference games. The problem is then you've got the Eastern Michigans of the world that need to buy games and won't get them. Mm-hmm. And that they're, you'll ultimately, I think, see FCS increase with some of these smaller schools. Because the, you, you can't survive if you're the Eastern Michigans, if you're the, these schools within the MAC. Um, like you're not going to see those schools live to see another day when you have all of like you'll probably still get one or two non-conference games and and those buy games those pay for slay games 
but you're not going to get the three, four week ramp up that we're now seeing um, across college athletics. And this is in every sport. It's not just football, every sport. And you're going to start to see some of these smaller programs yeah. really fizzle out. And the ones that are really going to be hurting are going to be the the nonprofit um, the the smaller Olympic sports within a lot of these universities, you're really going to start to see those fizzle out. I still think just as a whole, it doesn't make sense for the conference realignment. Like I've I've been of the camp of Chip Kelly who talked about this works for football. You play once a week. It's going to be a lot harder to make it work for every other sport that exists for the basketball, for the volleyball, for all of these other like smaller non-revenue sports. It's going to be difficult to explain why you have to go to Stanford if you're a women's volleyball player at NC State. You know what I mean? Like, can we just separate college football from the rest of the NCAA at this point and go, college football is in its own stratosphere of revenue generation? The college football playoff is already separated from the NCAA. Correct. And that's where when you have the CFP going, we are a separate entity. Okay, now I feel like the CFP, the Big Ten, and the SEC have realized we actually hold all the power. Maybe the Big 12 a little bit too. Just pull yourselves away from the NCAA. Let college football be its own thing. Basically set it up as a semi-pro league. That's what it is anyway. Like, let's just go all in now. And that's the way that it's viewed within the eyes of the public. It's the way the the athletes view it, too. Like, it is its own separate entity right now. 312-332-3776. If you want to join us here talking college football with you, when we come back, we will recap all the games that we saw on Thursday and Friday here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Tyler Aki, Shane Rowling, talking college football with you. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler Aki. Shane and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000, talking college football with you. Let's go through some of the week one results. If you missed anything from week zero, we did the podcast that kind of recapped all of our week zero thoughts um, after USC thumped San Jose State, but left us still with a lot of questions. Notre Dame demolished Navy. But getting into the games that we saw on Thursday and Friday, Shay, we'll start with the big one, and that is Utah and Florida. Utah took down Florida 24 to 11, the 14th ranked Utes, the quarterback by committee. It worked in this game, but we're ultimately waiting to see what Utah looks like with Cam rising. On the other side, Florida, Graham Mertz is still Graham Mertz, Billy Napier, and Graham Mertz is not a match made in heaven there. And you just saw the Utah defense kind of smother this team. I don't want to be mean to Graham Mertz, but he's awful. I, that guy, that is just a straight up terrible quarterback. I in Florida, I going from Anthony Richardson to Graham Mertz might be the biggest downgrade at quarterback position in college football. And there are some downgrades, but and like it's kind of similar. I think Tennessee handed Hooker to Joe Milton, pretty considerable downgrade. It ain't this. You're going from a kid who went in the first round to a kid who. Just can't play. Like, flat out can't play. It's a guy who, in Anthony Richardson, not only is he a first-rounder, but he was, even though Florida wasn't great, like college football playoff level good or really even in the conversation, that was a guy, every time he had the ball in his hands, electricity could happen. It's very similar. Like, 
Anthony Richardson is in college football what Justin Fields is in the pros, where anytime he had the ball in his hand, he was he had the ability to go and take it for 60 yards, 70 yards on his own, doing things on his own. And that sort of electricity that you can have in a player going from that to now Graham Mertz plucking him from a Big Ten school that is yeah. just going to ground and pound you to death. I mean, <laughs> this what are we doing? Too, like, I kept hearing it on the broadcast. Oh, they feel really good about Graham Mertz now that he's not going to be under center all the time. And I'm like, is he still throwing with the same right arm? Because it's the same guy. He just isn't good. Like, how many times do we have to see Graham Mertz be bad to admit Graham Mertz is bad? Florida, I'm out on. Like, anything I'm taking from this, I want to wait and see with Utah because we have to see what they look like with with, uh, Cam Rising. But Florida, like Billy Napier, it's only year two. It might be your last year. I think uh, from a Utah perspective here, I, I don't take a lot, but I'm not taking anything away from you. Like, you scored 24 points with backup quarterbacks, uh, plural, yeah. back, backup quarterbacks because they were rotating guys in and out. And uh, you've got a guy with Nate Johnson who is dynamic with the football in his hands. That's going to be a nice little wrinkle that you have. But Cam Rising, you put him in there, I, I feel pretty good about this Utah team as I have pretty much all offseason. Yeah, I, I think that they're as good as anybody Except USC in the Pac-12. But even they can beat USC because the defense is so good. Right. I mean, this is they're talking about it like Kyle Whittingham's best defense ever. If you're not familiar with Utah and Kyle Whittingham, all they do is play defense. Right. So I, I think it's, look, the Bryson Barnes play right out of the gate, too. What was it, a 70-yard so 70 yards to Money Parks. One that of those the great names in college football this year. Um, but yeah, that was that was one of the. I, I'm impressed with Utah. Utah's kind of the train keeps rolling with them is the way I feel about yeah. them because the defense is going to be there. And if you've got a defense in this year's iteration of the Pac-12, you're going to have a chance in every single game. Well, it feels like they won those two back-to-back Pac-12 titles, and everybody kind of starts to recognize, oh, Utah plays football. And now you're seeing it more and more this year. I think especially without the quarterback who was really the heartbeat of the team he's the leader without him like you lose a lot more than just your starting quarterback you lose your leader you lose the guy that brings everybody together a rallying point and you go out and you quarterback by rotation and you beat a brand name team in florida now i don't think florida's any good but it's still meaningful that you go out on a thursday night and win at home against a brand name utah's the 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 ceiling is the roof so to speak oh boy all right, uh, on to the Big Ten here, where rock fight up in Minneapolis uh, as Minnesota took down Nebraska 13-10. to um, First game for Matt Rule back in college football and shut out in the first half. I mean, this was quintessential Big Ten football that was played in this game. Uh, there's really not a lot to get excited about, I think, with either of these teams. I think there's something building at Nebraska because I trust the long-term prospects of Matt Rule. But for all intents and purposes of this year, I don't think we'll see Nebraska make much noise. Here's the thing with Nebraska. They are the one-score lost darling. And everybody knows that the last like four years, five years, they just lose games by one score. And games that they easily could have won. And it just happened again. Like fourth and ten, Minnesota, and get the buzzer beater touchdown to tie it. And then get an interception and a field goal. Like Nebraska just finds ways to trip over themselves. And it seems like they will continue to do that even with Matt Rule. Yep. Some things will never change. Sticking in the Big Ten, your Michigan State Spartans 
a 31-7 victory over Central Michigan last night. And Michigan State shut out in the first half. They they were trailing. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Shut they out in the had, first quarter. First they quarter, had I three say. points. Yeah, they had in three the, points in the first half. In the, uh, they had ten points, actually, in the first half. Oh, the um, late touchdown the late drive. Touchdown, right, yep. The tempo. But they were down to Central Michigan early in this game, and that led into a Shea Norling panic. A little meltdown. I I was told by I you. I was getting texts from outside friends that have met you like once or twice. Shay Norling meltdown on the Twitter timeline right now. Dude, halftime of that game, almost halftime, you're down 7-3 to Central Michigan at home, and you look inept with two coordinators that I've long wanted fired. In Scotty Hazleton on the defensive side and Jay Johnson, who I think is a functioning idiot on the offensive side of the ball, I was livid. And it's beyond the point where, look, this Michigan State team, if you watched this game last night, they stink. I, they won the game 31-7. to They had a wonderful second half. That first half, Noah Kim couldn't play football. You've got Jay Johnson doing some of the dumbest play calls that I have ever seen in my life, Tyler. Like the offensive stylings of Michigan State. How in the world do you have a job when you've got 23 seconds left in a game, you're short of midfield, and you decide inside screen for a wide receiver and then an angle route for your running back over the middle, you gain 15 yards in 15 seconds and you're done. Go into the locker room. How do you have a job? You've got one job there. Score! And you run two plays that go nowhere. The uh, the texts and the tweets from, from Shea during that period were, were absolute gold. And you wanted everyone fired. You wanted scholarships revoked. You were ready to, to pretty much give the death penalty by Shea Norling to the Michigan State Spartans yesterday. I'm if it keeps looking like that this year, if you, and if you this look. This works against Central Michigan. If you look like that the rest of this season, Washington's going to come in there. They're going to punch you in the mouth. You're going to, they're going to sleep with your girlfriend. They're going to do all those things. Oh boy. And you're going to lose to Washington by 30 points. You're going to lose to Michigan by 30 points. You're going to go to the shoe and get your head kicked in by Ryan Day and Ohio State. That'll be a 50-point bloodbath again. Yeah, I'll be I'll be calling for someone to be fired. If it's going to continue to look the way it looked last night, I'll be calling for a job. Mel Tucker, pressure's on. Well, you've got the boosters that can bring him in and also feel good. Kick him out. And kick him out. Matt yeah, Ishbia. Don't tell me you can't afford Matt it. Matt Ishbia is your lifeline there. All right. Uh, the Confusion Bowl, as it was dubbed yesterday, Miami Hurricanes and Miami Red Hawks. The Hurricanes, the U, absolutely crush the Red Hawks 38-3. to Thank you, Brett Gabbert, for making one of the stupidest proclamations of the entire week. Uh, when earlier in the week he said that we're going to show basically we're going to show them that we're the real uh, University of Miami. Uh, he said Oxford is the real Miami. It, it, get out of here. See, I mean, you are boat shoe you. I, I had someone tweet at me yesterday. They're J Crew you. Like what? What are we doing here? You don't poke the bear. You don't poke the bear, especially when the bear is getting up from its slumber already and maybe has a little bit of consciousness now. Like. Miami is a program that is rising right now. There is no program in America that is taking better advantage of NIL. And you're going to start to see this Miami Hurricanes. Like by the end of the year, this will be a ranked unit. Where are we in week one college football? Miami and Miami. Like I was talking about this. My my parents are in town this weekend. I was talking about this oh. with my mother last night. She's like, what games? So she took in the Shane Norling meltdown last night. Yeah. It's <laughs> not the first time. Mother? It's not the first time she's seen it. 
It won't be the last time either. <laughs> but I, she's like, what other games are you watching? Because I had the laptop out. Michigan State's on the big mm-hmm. TV. I've got the laptop running some other ones. Then I go Miami and Miami. And she's like, did you just have a stroke? What do you mean? <laughs> did you Do stutter? you mean Miami of Ohio and Miami University? And I'm like, well done. That's a round of applause yeah. for you, knowing both of those. Props to mom there. Um, little Red Hawk drop, too. I noticed that. Good on you. Knowing the, t- the, the nickname. How about that? Yeah. Um, in the ACC, we have one of our early candidates for cover of the year, and that is uh, the Louisville Cardinals beating the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. 39-34, your score last night. Georgia Tech with a little bit of a, a comeback late. They they had the lead. They were in control of this game for the first 55 or so minutes of this, and then back comes Louisville. Um their their quarterback, Jake Plummer's son, Jack Plummer, looked pretty good in this game in the second half. He flipped a switch. There was a, fl- a switch that was flipped when Jamari Thrash got going from the receiver side and he started to have some walk-in touchdowns and it started to look like an old Louisville offense yeah. that we've seen before. And Utah, like this went from bad beat candidate of the year to backdoor cover candidate of the year in the fastest pendulum swing I've maybe seen. You're up 28-13 at halftime. If you're holding Georgia Tech plus eight, you're feeling like God. And then the second half comes and you get Louisville. How about 26 nothing in the second half until garbage time when Georgia Tech comes through with the backdoor cover of the year? I, automatic candidate. I will remember this game all season. This game and our ACC Stanford Cardinal going to the <laughs> island and getting a dub against Hawaii. Upstart Hawaii with the competitive showing in Nashville last week and Stanford with a 13-point win. God bless. Big, the, big I start feel like for I'm the Atlantic Coast water. Conference. <laughs> um, but I will say, I was very impressed with Jack Plummer. He looks like the kid of an NFL quarterback with some of the way the way he navigated that second half. He uh, evaded pressure. He stepped up to make big throws. And it's just one of the things that Jeff Brom does. He knows how to maximize his best players in space. And his best player is Jamari Thrash at the receiving position. Yeah. And we've seen him do it time and time again from his time at Purdue with guys like Rondale Moore, last year with Charlie Jones. I'm pretty excited for this Louisville offense. The defense leaves a lot to be desired, but offensively, I mean, this just kind of feels like a a classic Louisville team. Yeah, Louisville's interesting to me in the ACC. I don't think they could win it, but they could be a spoiler team. They could be... They could grab my attention late in the season in the ACC. I'm I'm into this Louisville team, even though Jeff Brom at Purdue never impressed me. I kind of like what he's putting together at Louisville offensively. You mentioned the defensive side. Thank God they were playing Haynes King. If you're a Louisville (laughs) fan, Haynes King, the former A&M quarterback, transferred to Georgia Tech, was handing the game over in the second half. I look at Louisville, and I kind of talk about it in the same way. Uh, Who were we talking about earlier? Um, Kind of like... um, I look at all these guys on the roster. There's guys that can make big plays. If like the the splash playability for the Cardinals is among the best across the the entire country. Like you look at guys like Jawar Jordan. That's a guy who I think he runs like a four three forty. You've got Jamari Thrash. Like there are big play candidates on this team. Yeah, for all sure. Right. 
when we come back, we will tell you what we're watching for in today's slate of games. It is an expansive slate and what we're watching for the rest of the weekend because we've got some Sunday and Monday football for you as well. Tyler Akishay Norling, this is Chicago's College Tailgate. Shay and Tyler. Tyler. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on the ESPN Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Week one of college football getting set to kick off. About 25 minutes from now. We have already had a full slate of Friday and Thursday games as well as week zero. But this is when you get into the sit on your ass from 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. And just take in all the college football glory. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling with you here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. So what are you looking for today, Shay? Because when you look top to bottom at the schedule today... Not really anything that I think pops out at you. We'll get to tomorrow, or, uh, yeah, tomorrow's matchup with LSU and Florida State in just a bit. But just from a Saturday standpoint, anything that you're really watching for today? Yeah, I, I'm going to start with the uh, Adam Abdallah hate game, the TCU Colorado big noon kickoff that Abdallah just for some reason despises. Uh, I'm really interested to see, one, TCU, a team that went to the national championship last year and lost virtually everybody. No more Max Duggan at quarterback. Your entire defense is practically gone. Most of the offense is gone. You don't return a lot. Quinn Johnson, your number one receiver, gone. You hang a 17 next to their name somehow. I think this team's awful. I think they might be one of the worst teams in the Big 12. They've got three and nine potential. So I think you have an overrated TCU team going against an overrated Colorado team that the only reason anybody's interested is because Deion Sanders brought his luggage with Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter from uh, uh, Jackson State. Uh, Jackson State, And he, he's at Colorado now coaching this team. They're going to play TCU in Fort Worth. I'm beyond intrigued to see how this goes. If TCU just blasts them, maybe I'm wrong. But I sneaky think... TCU's bad enough. This could be a Colorado outright win. I'm not Ooh. telling you. I'm not telling you that that's going to be like the Dion statement that Colorado's suddenly a top level program and they're making moves early. I just think TCU is that terrible. Now FPI has Colorado as getting the fewest wins of any power conference team. They have them sub three for the entire year. They're bad. They're and it's it's not just that, but the overhaul, the roster turnover there. I mean, what was Dion's first order of business when he got there was telling people to get out. Yeah, clean right? out. It wasn't got like usually when a new coach comes in, the transfers happen because the players have relationships with with their old coaches and they want to follow them somewhere or they just want a fresh start somewhere. It is a player driven decision. This was coach driven when Dion got in there, and that was his first order of business was kicking guys out. Yeah, it's it's super unlike anything you typically see. But then I'm watching. Forgive me, because there was no Fox Sports 1 pregame. This is a sidebar briefly. What is Fox Sports 1 doing putting NASCAR roundtables on in front of college football? Get an effing pregame show. Because there was no pregame, I flipped to the Joel Klatt show on Fox Sports 2. And Joel Klatt's sitting down with Dion. And Mm -hmm. Dion is telling Klatt... This isn't a long-term project. I don't want to sip. I want the full meal. I want it all now. Dion, like, 
talking like he believes this Colorado team can contend in a Pac-12 immediately, bringing in Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. We'll see. But the confidence, like, again, I don't think they're good. But I think both of these teams could be three or less win teams, TCU and Colorado. I'm bullish on how bad TCU is. I'm interested to watch this game for that reason alone. The thing that I'm looking forward to most today is, and again, you're not going to glean a whole heck of a lot from week one with it, but what do the new quarterbacks look like at some of these power conference and and some of these college football hopeful programs? Like I look at Ohio State and Kyle McCord. He may have one of the bigger tests of all the guys because he is playing on the road against a Big Ten opponent, albeit a terrible one in Indiana, but he's going to have a power conference team on the other side. What does he look like for Ohio State? How does Carson Beck look for Georgia? And again, they're not playing anybody, but it's still something I'm intrigued by. Jalen Milrow was named the quarterback at Alabama, which is an interesting pick because Tommy Reese, the former OC at Notre Dame, is now the OC at Alabama. And along with them, he brought Tyler Buckner. It was a little, a little surprising for me to see Tyler Buckner not be named the starter because of the continuity with your new offensive coordinator. Do you know what I think it says about Alabama? They don't believe in it this year. Neither of these kids can play. If you go all camp with everybody, and again, if you read the, this is nerd stuff, but this is what you do when you're into college football. If you read the papers in Tuscaloosa, if if you pay attention to some of the podcasts, to some of the stuff that comes out from the Alabama beat, all off season, it was Tyler Buckner. All off season, he's coming in with Tommy Reese. He's going to be the starter, and then the weekend of the game, we get the Jalen Milrow appointment. I don't think either weekend. of these kids can How play. How about the, the day before? I don't the think. Game. I don't think either of these kids can play, and I think this is going to be one of the worst Bama teams we've seen under Saban. It, it's a team that I mean, you've pegged. You think is going to go well below their win total? I think they're nine and three. They could be eight and four. And and for Bam by Bama standards, that is that is a abject failure of a season. So, and then the other uh, quarterback. This is a Monday game, but Clemson and Cade Klubnick, his yeah. first full season as a starter, I think is going to be interesting there. Big quarterback game there, Riley Leonard on the mm-hmm. Duke side. Again, the ACC and the Pac-12. If you love quarterback play, watch those two conferences oh, because yeah. they have rosters of six or seven deep that are legitimate quarterbacks that all could be drafted or have NFL potential in them. Um, I do want to preview tomorrow's big game of LSU and Florida State because this is the one that everyone's talking about. A game that I think will be a preview of what we will see in the national championship in week one. LSU going to Orlando in a semi-home game for the Seminoles here, but we know both of these fan bases will travel no matter what. I This is a great quarterback matchup with Jordan Travis and Jaden Daniels. And you've got two programs that were dead for a moment, but have revived themselves and are both national title good. This is the year of, are they back? Like Texas, are they back? Mm-hmm. LSU, are they back? Florida State, are they back? Oregon, I'll throw in there. Sure. This game in particular, I cannot remember a time that I was this excited about a week one game. Now, the one that jumps to mind is, uh, it might have been 2014, maybe 2016, USC-Bama. 
kicked off in Arlington. They played at uh, Jerry World. That was one of the games I remember being really excited about. But even that wasn't to this level. This is two teams that I believe strongly, both of them, are national title caliber. I'm holding a 20-to-1 ticket on one of them, (coughs) Florida State. Like, I think Florida State's a team that can win a national championship. I think LSU might be their biggest threat to not winning a national championship. And to have both of those teams play week one, where potentially one of their seasons ends, I, that's that's college football theater. That's as good as it gets. I don't think it'll end the season for either of these teams with a loss, especially if it's a, a close loss here in week one. But I look at Florida State's schedule because obviously it's different when you play in the SEC versus the ACC. But with with Florida State, you've got two major roadblocks on your schedule. It's this game, and then you also have a game against Clemson as well. If you're Florida State, you have to split those and then go win the ACC championship, and you're headed to the college football playoff. With LSU, I think a loss probably does a little more damage just because your schedule is going to be much tougher. And then, of course, you're going to have to go out and win the SEC on top of that. So I do think it's a year where we get into SEC teams. But at the same time, I I do think this is a year where the parity is, I think, going to be at a a real high this year because of the fact that the quarterback play at some of the traditional powers that we've seen the last couple of years is fresh and new. We don't know what to expect. Whereas some of these programs that are on the rise and building up to being quote unquote back is much stronger. Yeah. And I think the fact that, uh, well, and if I'm right, that Bama is a bit diluted from what they usually are, you will get other teams to rise. Georgia, you lost your OC. You have a new quarterback, Carson Beck. I want to see what it really looks like. I think that this is, there's not going to be that clear dominant wire to wire like Georgia's been the last couple seasons national title team i think this is a year where we're going to see this goes maybe six seven eight teams deep can i sell you on penn state like there are a lot of teams that i think could genuinely win a national championship there's yeah it's as deep as i've seen it in recent memory all right when we come back we will make our picks for the week and also craft together a little show parlay as well who's going to be the parlay killer this week we'll do all that when we come back tyler rocky shay norling chicago's college tailgate chicago's college tailgate returns in a flash on espn chicago now back to the show chicago's college tailgate has it all with shay and tyler on espn chicago Thank you to Charlie Bevins for producing today's show of Chicago's College Tailgate. We're with you talking college football every single Saturday throughout the fall and college football season, 10 to 11 here in September. And then once we get to October, it'll be from 11 to 1. And don't forget, next Saturday, we will be heading out to O'Sullivan's in Forest Park with our friends at Deep Eddy. We are going to be watching college football with you from 1.30 to 3.30 at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park, 7244 Madison Street. Watching some Iowa, Iowa State football. Going to be a lot of fun out there at O'Sullivan's. A rare Shea Norling appearance. That's right. 
watching Iowa State. By the way, have you noticed this today? Iowa State, a seven-point fave over FCS Northern Iowa. Oh, boy. What a disaster well, that they, program is. It, it, speaking of lines, they too. They like, clocked with the death penalty for all the gambling if you're putting that garbage on the I just saw this. Field. This just came in. Their offensive lineman, Jake Remsburg, is expecting a six-game suspension as a result of the gambling probe. The whole six team's going to be suspended. You're six a, games. You're a seven-point fit. You're a Big 12 team, and you're a seven-point favorite over an FCS school. Yeah. Just hit him with a death penalty. Yeah. All right. Well, join us at O'Sullivan's next week, September 9th, 1.30 to 3.30, for a Chicago's College Tailgate watch party, O'Sullivan's Forest Park, 7244 Madison Street. From 1.30 to 3.30, we'll be drinking Deep Eddie. Cannot wait for it. They've got some great specials, too. Lemon drop shots, Bloody Marys, and Mules. Cannot wait for that. All right. Each week on the show, we'll be giving out our picks for the day. And we're also going to craft a little show parlay each week as well, where we each contribute a leg. Myself, Shay, and Charlie Bevins will each contribute a leg to the parlay. And we're going to track who kills the parlay each week as well. All right. Or we all win. Or we all win. That's true, too. All right. Uh, but first, let's get into our picks for the week. And Charlie Beckins, which games will we be picking off of this week? All right. Let's start the early slate. Fresno State at Purdue at 11 a.m. Purdue minus three and a half. New era at Purdue. Fresno State coming east. I, I will roll with the Boilermakers here in week one. This is, I would never bet this game, but you, you don't have that option when we're doing the picks. <laughs> Fresno State going east, but Purdue's got a brand new coach, brand new quarterback, brand new offense. I'm going to fly with my Bulldogs. All right. Fresno State. We got a little taste of Shea's pick here, but Tyler, I'm curious, did you think Colorado at TCU, 11 a.m., TCU, a 20 and a half point favorite? I really do think there's too much change at Colorado, a program that already sucked and is going to suck again this year. I think Coach Prime is maybe getting too much public love for this, and when you're giving me uh, a number that is south of a like a square football number. When you're giving me the twenty and a half here, g- give me uh, uh, TCU. Yeah, I, again, a game I wouldn't bet the side with my money, but in the picks, you don't have a choice. I got to ride with Dion, man. This TCU team, you lose Max Duggan, you lose Quentin Johnston, you lose a lot off that defense. This ain't the team that went to a national title. I think they're pretty bad. I'm going to go with Colorado. All right, let's go to the 2.30 slate. Rice at Texas. Texas a 30-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's see what you guys think. 30-and-a-half is, um, but for for Texas, this is a little battle in the state of Texas. I will roll with Quinn Ewers and Sark. I think this could be a big year for the Longhorns. Give me Texas with the 30-and-a-half. I was in with Abdallah on Thursday. The Fat Jack was on with us. He told me that home teams playing FBS opponents in week one that are favored by 30-plus covers 70% of the time. That's crazy. Horns up. Go Texas. All right, let's go to where game day is today. North Carolina out at South Carolina at 6.30. UNC minus two-and-a-half. You know, I like this Tar Heel team. I, I do think USC, they started like middle of the year to find something yeah. with Spencer Rattler last year with South Carolina. They had a, a nice victory in the middle, a couple of nice victories in the middle and end of the season. Uh, but I do think UNC is the team with a lot more to prove this year and a team that right now is in the back half of the teens in terms of rankings, but probably feels like they should be a top 10 team right now. Give me UNC. 
in Charlotte as well. I'm on the other side of this. I, I, I like the UNC team. You got Drake May, but you got nothing else. This is He's uh, elevated nothing else before, though. I've seen these Mac Brown Tar Heels play in night games and struggle. South Carolina figured it out last year. By the end of the season with Spencer Rattler, that offense was a powerhouse. This game's going to be a light show. It might be played in the 60s, and I'm going with South Carolina. All right, West Virginia at number seven, Penn State. Tonight at 6.30, Penn State given 20 and a half. I'm going to take the Mountaineers on this side oh. here. I, I, I'm not in on the Penn State love. You and I are head to head on everything today. I, I don't, I'm not in on the Penn State love. The, the whiteout is the biggest farce in college sports. Uh, uh, give, give me the Mountaineers plus the 20 and a half. I'm laying the 20 and a half with Penn State inside three touchdowns. 21, I wouldn't like it. But Penn State, 20 and a half. I think they sneaky might have the best defense in America, not the Big Ten. I love the running back. I'm in on Penn State. I'm in on Drew Aller. James Franklin's my biggest worry, but I'm laying the points today. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, we do need to craft our team parlay here. Shay, I'll let you start us off. What's the first leg we're rolling with? I'm going to be the DJ in the group. I'm going off the board down to the bayou, Monroe, Louisiana. Oh, not LSU. Where the Black Knights of the Hudson Army travel to Louisiana Monroe and they are nine and a half or ten point favorites depending on where you look. I am taking Louisiana Monroe. And I get I know what everybody says about Army conditioning, that they're gonna be up to snuff. It is ninety six degrees, clear skies, sunny, bayou heat. It's gonna be hot. Humid and Army's breaking in a new offense. They aren't running the uh, wing T triple option anymore. It's a shotgun based spread style option offense. I'm all in. ULM covers this. Army can't get it figured out in that heat. I am going to a game that we talked a little bit about earlier, and you said light show. I agree. It is going to be a light show. UNC in South Carolina over 63 and a half. Charlie, what is your pick? Yeah, I'm going to ride with uh, what Shea cited from the Fat Jack and take Texas minus 30 and a half against Rice. I think this is, I'm ready to get hurt again. I think this is the year Texas finally puts it together. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Peggy and Dion are coming up next. This Chicago's College Tailgate brought to you by Twin Peaks. We'll talk to you next week, and we will see you at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park from 1.30 to 3.30, and we'll be with you here on ESPN 1000 from 10 to 11 a.m. Talk to you next week. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago.